All right, everybody, welcome to the podcast. It's me, Matt Miller, and uh, sorry, this one's a little late, you know. I was, uh, the other one I was going to put out had a Terrence Pennington, my good comedian friend, and we were laughing and gabbing, and it was real good. But my audio got all fucked up, and I don't know how to fix it, because it got all fucked up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I turned off my AC, and it's still a little hot in this these fall months, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bang out this episode, this spooky October edition of Militant Affection. And if you want to see the one with Terrence, I'm going to put it on the Patreon. The Patreon. Patreon. Partridge-non. I'm going to start up my own Patreon called Partridge-non. And it's for uh, birds. That's what it's for. And, uh, no, okay. You're still getting this one on Monday. It's going to come out pretty soon. It's going to come out, like... I'm, gonna, I'm talking right now, bringing you fucking comedy genius, and it's still going to come out pretty soon, and I know if you're listening to it now, this doesn't make any sense, I'm very speaking, I'm trying to be more current in the moment, you know, and I, I'm really succeeding by just keep mirandering, is mirandering a word? But you gotta read my Miranda rights, right? Miranda rights. Now, where, I guess there was someone named Miranda, and that's where Miranda rights came from. Um, where did Miranda rights come from? Where did... This is way off topic, guys. Just imagine I'm saying something hilarious uh, right now. And you're laughing. You're like, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha. There's a stem from, <laughs> from the 1966 Supreme Court case, Miranda v. Arizona. Now, that's not Arizona, the... Uh, excuse me. The tea company, is it? Uh, the original case, the defendant, Ernesto Miranda. Okay, so it wasn't a chick. It was a guy named Ernesto. It was a 24-year-old high school dropout with a police record when he was accused in 1963 of kidnapping, raping, and robbing an 18-year-old woman. All right, now this is, this is something I can get to in the cast. Uh... Miranda rights are the rights given to people in the United States upon arrest. Anyone who has watched the U.S. detective show or two can rattle off the words. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you can and will be used against you in the court of law. Or as I like to say, the court of bra. Because I'm taking off that bra and getting to those titties. <laughs> if this is your first time listening, I'm very funny when I, 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 I do things, so... Just stay with me here, and if you're you're a, you're a constant listener, I'm you are, you already know how good I am at laying down some of the funniest things ever said. Okay, um, the crime in question: uh, an 18-year-old girl was forcibly grabbed by a man as she was walking home from her bus stop after working late at a at a movie house in Phoenix, Arizona. Now this is in '63. What was the big movie of 1963? Can anyone guess that? Oh, Bye Bye Birdie. Maybe she was watching. Maybe she was watching a little Eight and a Half, a little Fellini, or The Great Escape, or From Russia with Love, or even Cleopatra. Maybe she was watching Cleopatra. An 18-year-old girl goes in, Today I'm going to watch Cleopatra. No man's going to grab me at all today. Cleopatra was five hours long? What the fuck? 
That's so long. People used to watch such five hours and 20 minutes. It gets a 7 out of 10 on IMDb. <laughs> it's rated G. Damn, look at these broads. I'm going to watch this. Look at these. They're, these are scantily clad women dancing around. Rated G. I remember when I was a kid, one of the first times I saw like a boob was in like one of these PG movies. There was like a scene in like a, like a tribal place. And like the the tribal people dancing at like their tits out, and I was like, "Damn, I'm looking at boobies." <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I was always such like a pussy of a kid, because I was like, I knew like I'm not supposed to be looking at tits, and even though no one would tell me to stop, I like would look away. I'm like, no. But then I would peek through like my fingers at them because I'd be like, damn, I want to look at those adult woman boobs that aren't my mom's, even though my mom never breastfed me. To be honest, I think I've only seen, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've seen my mom's boobs. I couldn't draw them, you know, I couldn't, if you were to say, hey, I'll give you a million dollars if you draw your mom's tits. Now I could just draw a boob and it could probably come close. I can kind of guess how her boobs are by seeing her wear tight clothes. Or tight clothing, you know? But I don't know if I could immediately draw them. But damn, a five... <laughs> oh, shit. Cleopatra, five hours and 20 minutes. How fucking long of a fucking story is this? I gotta sit up more straight. My posture's being ruined. My, uh, this, this quarantine has ruined it. Let's see what a reviewer says about Cleopatra. Too much negativity, not enough praise. Regard as the biggest flop. In motion picture history, picture history, Cleopatra has been given the short end of the stick since its first premiered in 1963. But it's still a great, but it still is a great film. True, it didn't plague 20th Century Fox to the point of near bankruptcy. But, but, but I don't care. So apparently this movie was a big flop. And it, I think the main reason it was a big flop was because it was five hours and 20 minutes long and G-rated. You know, at least an hour three, I want to see a penetration. <laughs> oh, no, but now it's saying it's only three hours and 12 minutes on the IMDb page. Maybe there was a, a cut. Maybe they cut it, cut it down. Like the initial release was five hours. Oh, yeah, here you go. Premiered in length of 243 minutes. That's not five hours. It'll be 300. It was reduced to 222 minutes. And then 194. I don't care. We're getting way off topic here. Why, guys, why, you gotta tell me to stop Mirandering. Get it? We're back. Miranda writes. Oh, I'm so genius. We gotta stop Mirandering. Okay. 18-year-old girl forcibly grabbed. She was watching Cleopatra. She was like... Three and a half hours in, and she was like, okay, I need to get raped. <laughs> no, that's bad. No, that's not what happened. Okay, so she went to the bus. She was taking the bus, uh, working late at a movie house. So she wasn't even watching. She was working there. But she was sitting in the back like, oh, look at There's no titties in this movie after three and a half hours. She was sitting there. And the attacker dragged her into his car, tied her hands behind her back, and forced her to lie down in the back seat. So far, pretty tame. Okay. After driving for 20 minutes, the man stopped outside of the city and raped her. Now, this is not good. This is not anything I approve of. You remember, this is the Halloween special of uh, militant affection, and uh, that's why we're talking about such dark human activity. Normally, I like to... You know this show. Okay. He demands she give him her money and told her to lie down again in the backseat. After raping her, 
He's like, all right, now that you've been raped, I need your cash, and I need you to lie here. He then drove her back into the city, dropping her off blocks from her house. Okay. Uh, the police catch the guy. Uh, she had a boyfriend. Uh, was then questioned two hours without a lawyer. Miranda was then questioned for two hours with a lawyer. At one point, the detective brought the victim into the room. One of them asked Miranda if this was the person he had raped. Miranda looked at her and said, that's the girl. Uh, she, he offered details of the crimes that closely matched the victim's account. <clears throat> His confession was used as sole evidence when he tried and convicted for the crimes by the Arizona court. Uh, so anyhow, at some point, the Miranda rights were created. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, shit. Um, uh, there's something about something. The ACLU gets involved. You can read the article. I'm on history.com slash topics slash united dash states dash constitution slash Miranda dash rights. Uh, and just go to that website. <laughs> And you can figure out all about Miranda rights, and you'll love it. I need a sip of drink. This, is, this has been a great first third. We're a third of the way through, folks. You've been riding this wave expecting my talking and breathing and my general oral presententiary. Presententiary? Penitentiary? We gotta get rid of the jails. My oral predunctiny. And uh, hopefully you guys are... Or gaveling at the gimlets. <laughs> at, at the way I'm presenting the things I'm saying. All right, let me take a sip. Okay, we're back in it, folks. That was a quick break for our sponsor. Uh, but yeah, Miranda writes, uh, how did we get here? Torture, murder. Okay, okay, I got windows open. So while I was talking to uh, <laughs> um, Terrence, he, he told me that this year... Uh, I think it's the largest mass or like shooting spree. Man, I had to talk with my buddy last night. I was called it a mass shooting, but shooting spree in Canada ever happened in April of this year. It happened from like April 18th to April 19th, like through the night. 23 people were killed. This guy, uh, Gabriel Wartman, uh, he went from house to house, houses in Nova Scotia of all places. And he uh, killed the people. And, uh, oh shit, I need to burp again. I'm just drinking soda while I do this. I will always be the least professional um, person. Because professionalism is part of the uh, the white patriarchy. And being that I'm white and I'm male, in order to show my uh, my allegiance with the, the, with the rebellion group... I don't act professional because I think being professional is uh, white patriarchy. So you heard her first. I'm a leader in the re media rebellion movement and changing people's minds in the world. <laughs> Anyhow, this guy pretended to be a, he pretended to be a cop. He had an old cop car and he drove around. Uh, kill, killing people and lighting their houses on fire before he killed himself. And this is was a real big thing in Canada. He killed 22 people, including a constable, because in Canada they got constables. Uh, Heidi Stevenson, the other officer he shot, Constable Chad Morrison survived, as is the man he shot in Porta Pike, 
the first report is possible use of, of a police car. He tied up and injured his spouse before he escaped at the start of the rampage. Thirteen of the dead were found in Portapique, four in Wentworth, two in Debret, and three in Shubenacadie. These are quite the places. This is exactly how I thought places in Nova Scotia would be. They'd be names, things like Portapique, Wentworth, Debret, and Subanakadie. And they are believed to have died from gunshot wounds. But other causes are also being investigated. Eight of the victims were found in the remains of structure fires. Wartman also shot and injured two dogs. Well, this is where I draw the line. Pooches are getting killed. That this Wartman is the worst man. He was, a, he was a dentist, you know, all day fixing people's teeth. And then one day he's like, I'm going to kill everyone. I found some... <laughs> The, the dude, Wartman, was a dentist. Okay, according to RCMP, Commissioner Brenda Lucky, some of Wartman's first victims were closely connected to him, but over time, those he attacks were selected were more at random. The Globe and Mail reported that one of the victims in Wentworth had previously gone hunting with Wartman, while CBC News reported the, that another victim owned the property in Porta Pike that was subject to a dispute between Wartman and his uncle. Okay. Um, so yeah, this guy's a dentist, age 51, goes on a killing spree pretending to be a cop, and I think he would go to the doors. I'm making this up right now because me and, yeah, me and Terrence have this conversation. The the podcast that is now lost that is going on Patreon, uh, he went up to the doors pretending to be a cop and announcing he was a cop, and then he would kill people, which, you know, it, it's really, if you were, uh, it's a very current idea right now of people talking about this kind of police behavior right because a criminal could easily impersonate a cop go up to the house and if you obliged him or her you, you could get killed because it could be a criminal impersonating a cop so that's a problem right and you can't say it doesn't happen because it clearly does happen i'm reading right now it happened in canada of all new in nova scotia canada so that's a big thing in, in raids and stuff. Like, like impersonating a cop is like a big crime. But it's an intriguing thing that someone can pretend to be a cop. Now, some might argue that all cops are impersonating cops, if you know what I mean. That, you know, no one should really have the authority to arrest you or murder you or shoot you based off some laws that the, that the government decided were okay, all right? I don't live by no government's laws. I live by my own laws. And that's the laws of the land. <laughs> and, um, yeah. I was just thinking about this before. It's funny how people are like, well, it's illegal or legal to justify their like, moral shit. But I think you should have your own morals beyond uh, what the government says you can and can't do. Like, for example, like, a, like weed is a big one. Most people, I think most people think it's okay to drink weed, at least in the U.S., and it's still federally illegal. So it's one of those where you're like, well, it may be illegal, but I think it's fine if you do it. So, like, well, I don't understand why people get their morals from laws. You should... People should just stumble upon their own morals, right? People think, I don't know, you need religion as a foundation of morals, or you need, yeah, things being illegal or legal or whatever. Or, yeah, but, I mean, can't you just view the world and then figure out your own morals? You can be like, well... Murdering people's wrong, right? Stealing is wrong. Rape is wrong. Why can't you come to these own conclusions? Uh, 
I guess, or maybe have it in the... I mean, I'm not against having all this stuff amongst religion and the government. And Well, I'm against the government, you know. The government's the worst. But in the uh, ether or being taught in school, like that murder is bad, I think that's all good. But uh, I don't know what I'm saying here. I'm just saying... There are general morals that for all humans. <laughs> okay, this is a, a fun. Okay, it's not fun. This is not fun reading this guy's things. But I just, I was just intrigued. Uh, it, it's going. It's in this article. Well, it's article. I'm reading Wikipedia. In this beautiful article about the case, um, uh, he killed a woman he knew at the Shabernacle home. Changed his clothes again and stole her Mazda 3. Huh. By 11.24, he was spotted uh, continuing south along Highway 102 through Milford. Finally, over 13 hours after police began pursuing him at 11.26, Wartman stopped to refuel at the Irving Big Stop service area in Enfield, 92 kilometers south of Porta Pike and 40 kilometers north of Halifax. At least one RCMP officer who was already there to fill up gas... There was a cop already there to fill up gas, uh, recognized Wartman, and fatally shot him. Wartman's death was confirmed by the police at 1140. So the cop just killed him there after he went on a shooting spree, and I guess you got to do that. Now, what, what, what unfortunateness is it to be an active shooter going around, and then you stop at the one gas station where there's another constable ready to kill you? <laughs> there was another quote. I was reading from the neighbors. Ooh, okay. Here's a good here's a good headline, a good juicy headline from the article. Misogyny and domestic violence. Ooh. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Take a little snippet of that. Misogyny and domestic violence. <laughs> Uh, f- there's someone banging shit outside my window. Don't if you hear that, don't don't even don't even imagine that it's there. Uh, following RCMP confirmation that the attacks were preceded by an act of domestic violence, women's advocates said the rampage highlighted a broader problem of domestic violence in Canada, as well as the potential as a warning sign for future violent behavior and public threats. Well, maybe if these women weren't always acting up. (laughs) Activists criticized law enforcement's inability to respond to earlier domestic violence reports against Hortman and called upon attention to be placed to the role of misogyny in the attacks. Now, I wonder how quickly after these murders got reported that they tried to turn it, swing it into a this is an act of misogyny. Now, I will give you the, the, the fact that uh, almost all these murders, these types of things, are done by men, right? Uh, women, uh, you know, will, will, <laughs> will murder in other ways, you know. They'll, they'll, they'll kill their kids in a tub, but they'll do, they'll do a lot more personal. Men will do it a little more random. I know there's, like, that famous woman nurse that killed a bunch of people that, like... Well, like, yeah, if... I, if, if, if yeah, there's a famous woman nurse, but I think a lot of like chicks like that kind of shit. They're like, yeah, girl power, just kill random people, especially if it's a woman doing it. Not not everyone's like that, <laughs> but uh, 
Okay, what does this say? Citing eyewitness reports of Wartman's behavior and ways of controlling his partner, domestic violence expert called for the passage of a coercive control law in Canada, similar to the one passed by the United Kingdom in 2015, which they say may help prevent other abusers from escaping detection. So, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm against domestic violence. And, uh, but let me be like, so these are attacks of misogyny? I don't know. I don't know. I think the guy, I mean, I, it probably was related to his, probably had problems. I mean, the dude was a dentist. And there was like, I was reading a quote. I can't find the quote right now. That was like, other neighbors are in the town. Uh, we're like talking about how he was a weird guy and they like it, they could see him doing something like this but they didn't expect on this level and it's like it's such a quaint canadian way of talk <laughs> of talking now not to make fun of you canadians i'm a big fan of you canadians i love comedians com com comedians i love comedians and i also love canadians you know what's not to love about you comedians and canadians comedians are canadians that just came. They they came Canadians. <laughs> Canadians. We just came. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting I'm being ridiculous right now. Okay, let me read this. On May 11th, the RCMP's behavioral analysis unit launched a psychological autopsy on Wartman, <clears throat> which involved extensive interrogations with his friends, families, members, and colleagues, and found that he was an injustice collector. A criminology term for those who keep track of perceived uh, slights and petty grievances that occur um, over many years. Okay, injustice collector is something I'm about to search right now. Aren't you guys on the edge of your seats to find out about injustice collector? <laughs> um, I wonder if that's going to be the new way if there's ever a big... Big murder spree. I guess you look for the motives, but if it's always going to be tied to some social issue. And then, because, like, it's like, I think, uh, maybe that's true, though. Maybe every mass thing is a tied to a social, I guess it is, right? Because people exist, and uh, people are social. So if you're killing people, it is a social issue. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing about this. But yeah, no, I, I believe murder is wrong. I don't know how many times. I don't know how many episodes I've fucking done. This is 81, and I've made fun of the most horrific shit, but I always feel like I gotta let you know that murder is wrong. All right, guys. Um, injustice collector. Uh, someone who collects... Someone who sees injustices in many, if not most, things that happen to them in life. Injustice collectors can misperceive the smallest slights and turn them into major events that can accumulate... <clears throat> and these injustices for years. I could see how a guy, a 51-year-old dentist, who sees all kinds of injustices throughout his life, who's a domestic abuser, misogynist, could end up killing people. Actually, I don't want to see that world. That's a very dark world, but... Okay, uh, leakage. I'm reading now, psychologically today, uh, about injustice collectors. In many research on school and university shootings, I coined a term injustice collector. An injustice collector is someone who sees injustices in many, if not most, things that happen to them in life. I'm, I'm basically just rereading the same thing over and over again. 
come on, this is good content. I'm a content creator. I make words. I, I keep a stream of ideas present at all possible moments, whittling in little evil thoughts every now and then to make you kind of go, whoa, what is he even thinking? Injustice collectors can misperceive the smallest slights and turn them into major events, and they can accumulate these injustices for years. Uh, okay, leakage. Can this type of violent behavior be identified ahead of time? For, for those of us who work in the field, we believe in most situations the answer is yes. One of the most powerful warning signs is leakage. That's when shit comes out of your bottom and you want to murder 22 people. <laughs> no, that's not what leakage is. Leakage is the communication of threats or plans to act out violently prior to the event. Oh, okay, so if you're just like... I'm going to fucking go kill 22 people and light their houses on fire. That's probably an example of leakage. <laughs> leakage can be direct or indirect, written or verbal in some cases. The leakage has been as indirect as telling another student not to show up the next day at school because something big was going to happen. It can be as direct as students posting an online video about their intended actions. So if you see a kid posting a video online that's like, I'm going to go shoot up the school tomorrow, don't take it lightly. I will say, yeah, that's, can be, that's like uh, yelling fire in the theater. I mean, I support all freedom of speech, but direct threats uh, can be criminalized. If you go, I'm going to go kill Bob Johnson tomorrow, and then you, if you say that and you publicize it, publicize it, that's uh, that's probably not good. <laughs> you should be charged if you go, hey, let's all go kill Kim Kinden. Let's all kill Kim uh, Kim Man. Let's kill Kim Kim Man. And you're like, we don't. Kim Kim Man isn't even a fucking name. And you go, well, we're gonna kill him. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I don't even know what these little digressions are. I'm trying to keep it light and entertaining. Talk about murder. Laugh about death. You know? Talk about murder. Laugh about death. The issue that's... <laughs> the issue is that schools and universities, as well as places of employment, will want to take evidence of leakage seriously and train others to recognize and know how to report it and not disregard it as a joke or empty threats. Understanding leakage and what to do about it can be particularly important. If the leakage is coming from a dangerous injustice collector who sees the world as being out to get him, he will not tolerate that. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like, a, that's also like paranoia, right? Like a, when I smoke weed, I start to think everything's collaborating around me to uh, put me down and like stop me from succeeding. Like uh, I start thinking, I don't know, every like, like every situation I've ever been with anyone has been a way to use me. Like if I like because I'm like funny, maybe they just want to see me because I'm funny. But that's just a crazy way to be at it because everyone you're in a relationship with, uh, you you offer some value to them, and you have to accept that you can't not offer value because people don't want to hang out with people that offer no value. You gotta understand that's a, that's a little life lesson. Uh, yeah, I was just had another comment about that. About offering value and shit. Because you wouldn't hang out with someone that was just like a slub of shit and didn't do anything. You know, you want people that bring a little value into your life. That are fun. That are 
Interesting. Then suck your cock until you come a bucket of cum. <laughs> Sorry I got a little gross there, but that's just how I go. Now I'm just looking at the camera that I set up to record this, and it's like, and I'm making weird faces because I'm all alone in my room, and it's the middle of the day, and I'm trying to entertain you people, and all you do is go, more, more, and I can't always give you the best. I'm just trying to give you something to attach on to and be like, gah, gah. Now, if you were, <laughs> if you were a real conspiracy person, now the world is out to get you in a way. <laughs> All right, let me, <laughs> I don't know where I was going to go off to another little tangent. Uh, let me just finish off this uh, Psychology Today article reading about leakage. Having a threat assessment team available to evaluate the leakage and assess the personality of the threatener are key components in the area of threat assessment for schools, universities, and workplace environments. Zero tolerance for threats does not mean single sanction. In threat assessment, every situation is different. Every person must be treated fairly and with sensitivity using a threat assessment model that allows for variations in behavior and levels of intervention. And uh, I do agree with that. Um, every case is different. Let's say a kid's just uh, being silly, saying I'm going to shoot up the school tomorrow. But it was just a big joke because he lost his fantasy league. Now, if that's just a couple of funny boys doing funny business. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's rough. Leakage. So, if anything you'll learn about from this episode is about leakage. And uh, you got to look out for it because people are going crazy. Especially nowadays when people are locked down with their spouses and they're committing their abuses. Like, domestic abuse is way through the roof. <laughs> oh, that's awful. That is awful. I grew up in a household with domestic abuse. I can laugh about it, you know. You can, you can justify uh, making being silly about things that happen to you, right? If you can't, then what kind of freedom of speech do we have? Um, yeah. And one of these neighbor things with this guy at shop, everyone in Canada, one of the neighbors was like, oh, his wife was very beautiful. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, yeah. It's too bad. It's too bad that there's all this murder and justice in the world. I wish it could be fixed. So if you send me, uh, uh, PayPal me uh, $100, I will do my best. No, actually, go to my Patreon, donate $100. That way, Patreon gets whatever, $25. And I'll work with Patreon to end um, injustices in the world, and we'll all fucking be great. Now, I did want to get into some spooky stories. I got way off topic here. I had planned on uh, going, like, I Googled, like, the scariest deaths, the creepiest murders. And I found this BuzzFeed article, 17 Disturbing Murder Cases That Will Keep You Awake for Days, because this is Halloween month. And uh, let me just read the first one. You hear about this John Venables and Robert Thompson. In 1993, John Venables and Robert Thompson, both 10 years old, became the youngest convicted murderers in modern British history. While at a shopping mall, they lured and abducted a two-year-old baby, a two-year-old, well, two-year-old boy, James Bulger, Away from his mother, Bulger's body was found two days later on railroad tracks. His body was so mutilated that the, adopt the autopsy couldn't even reveal his actual cause of death. So that's very fucked up that these two little boys killed an even littler boy. What are little boys up to? 
Oh, here's a good one. <laughs> That's my only additional comment on that. Just what are li- these are true stories. These are these are this is what's happening in the world amongst people. Diane Downs in 1983. Diane Downs shot her three children and drove them to the hospital. One of her daughters was pronounced dead upon arrival. arrival. Her other daughter suffered a stroke, and her son was paralyzed from the waist down. Diane claimed a strange man tried to steal her car and then shot at everyone. However, police later found her secret diary, which detailed her obsession with a married man who did not want kids. Detailed her obsession with a married man. This ultimately led to her arrest. She was sentenced to life in prison plus 50 years. So she was obsessed with this guy who didn't want kids. She had kids. And then she realized, if I'm going to be with this guy, i got to kill my kids. So she did that. So this is all makes sense to me why you would do that. She was, she was what you would call a female incel, you know? Like, because like, involuntary celibate, I guess now it doesn't really mean you're, you're uh, celibate, right? It, it just means you're like you're a creep that can get psychologically obsessed with people. You, you're, you can't be a, uh, what's it called? A fucking, uh, when you're fucking really addicted to people, like when you're in a relationship, you're a, you're a fuck, codependent, codependent. I think people that are just codependent are now just incels. I guess if you're just kind of codependent, you're not. But super codependent is incel behavior, so remember that. And, uh, you know, I'm going to save some of these murders maybe for a later episode. (laughs) And then we can can laugh about murder more. And we can, uh, you know, really, really just get entertained by uh, the horribleness of humanity. Um, That is, it's very tough out there. And if you're having a tough time, just send me a message on Instagram and... I'll, I'll heart it and give you a, 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 a smiley face emoji. And then we'll all live together in, uh, in the forest. And uh, we'll start making our own wine out of uh, fucking daisies and acorns that we grind down into wine. And we'll just get drunk and stumble into uh, bear caves and get eaten by bears. And that'll be the end of our lives. So thank you for listening to Melton Affection. <laughs> I've been Matt Miller. Matt Miller, real on everything. Now I'm... Um, uh, Matt Miller Real Comedy on YouTube, youtube.com slash Matt-Miller-Real-Comedy, because I'm trying to get the algorithm up, you know, and uh, yeah, I hope you are having fun this uh, this Halloween month, I know it's tough times now, but just start scaring yourself, you know, you can't go out and get scared, stay inside and get scared, alright, love you, goodbye.